one, two, three. This is Buccaneers Total Access with head coach Todd Bowles. Hey, that's a hell of a job coming down here being a good football team. Three-step drop, throws to the end zone. Caught ball, touchdown Tampa Bay. Mike Evans reaches up with one hand and grabs it in. Brought to you by Advent Health. No matter what helps you feel whole, swimming, laughing, or finding peaceful moments in your day, Advent Health is here to support you with world-class expertise and whole-person care. Because feeling whole always begins at AdventHealth.com. Fire the cannons! Now your host, Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips and head coach Todd Bowles. Welcome into Buccaneers Total Access. We are joined by head coach Todd Bowles. Uh, coach, you know, not bad for a team people picked 31st and $80 million in dead cap money. I know that after a loss like this when the season ends, it's got to feel um, sad in a lot of ways, but how do you evaluate the year as a whole looking back now? I thought the guys were very tough and got mentally tough as the season went on. Uh, we had our ups and downs and some adversity, but the way we fought through it together, I really thought and really I was very proud of those guys, the way the coaches uh, stuck to their jobs and made them accountable, held them, had attention to detail with everything, and the way they came out on the other side, I'm very proud of them for that. Yeah, it felt like this game in so many ways was a bit of a metaphor for the season where even when you guys were down, you definitely were not out the way that the team fought, especially towards the end to stay in it. Um, What do you feel like is the key to building a team like that? How do you guys as coaches try to make that happen? Is it about you guys as coaches, the players, a combination of that? What, What creates an atmosphere like that? It's a combination of all the above. It's really the culture. It starts in training camp uh, as far as those guys getting to know each other. The culture setting the tone in the building, the chemistry that you try and create with the bond. The football part and the teaching is the easy part. That's the fundamental and the techniques stuff is just football. But the bond that you have to create when those guys come in, and you have to do it every year regardless of whether you have the same team or different guys coming in because every year is different. So the bond they created and the closeness they felt, it felt like a college team uh, this year in terms of how they got along as opposed to in the past you have more veteran guys and everybody goes off by themselves. It was a more of a close-knit unit this year. And I know that you brought in Coach Canales <clears throat> for this first year, now looking back over this season. Uh, what did you really like about him as a, as a coordinator and a part of your staff? The way he grew during the season, uh, the way the offense meshed together and came out the second half of the season and finished up the season, uh, we made great strides from struggling to run the football to about the second half of the season, averaging about 100 yards per game, uh, still getting Mike and Chris involved and getting those guys the football, bringing out Rashad into what he can do and starting four new guys on the offensive line out of five, a different quarterback and a lot of new guys out there. He did a heck of a job. I know he gave one press conference in particular this year where he really gave you a lot of credit for giving him a chance and uh, how much it meant to him trying to, as he put it, prove you right in taking a chance on him. What is it like to be in a position as a head coach now to be the one giving people chances when I'm sure you remember what that was like when you were starting your career? I must be getting old. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, as, As a coach, it's our job in this league to try and develop coaches. You don't just hire coaches and then let them do their job. You try to develop them and becoming the best they can be and see things, and that's everybody on the staff. I mean, Tom Moore helps me, Kevin Ross helps me, Casey Rogers helps me, Goody helps me. All those guys help me become a better coach. It's only right if you want to have a good staff, you got to continue to develop coaches. They're not going to come in ready, set, go, polished. You have to constantly grow and grow and grow together. I've learned a lot of things from Dave as well, so we've helped each other. 
In this game in particular, Rashad ended up averaging 6.1 yards a carry and 55 rushing yards after only having 26 the last time you guys uh, played the Lions and started out with some big gains too, 8.3 yards per carry in the first quarter, which is his second highest mark through a first quarter of any game in his career. Um, what did he do well, particularly in this Lions game? Well, the Lions did a heck of a job blocking him. Rashad was hitting the hole downhill. Again, he was seeing the hole before he got the ball. Uh, that was very important. He ran very tough. He got some tough yards in there. And you did bring up earlier just how much you saw the the line, Rashad, the scheme, everything grow when it came to the run game this season. What were some of the specific things that helped make that happen in terms of how Rashad was running and the scheme itself and what the offensive line was doing? Well, Rashad, it was just experience. <clears throat> you know, learning a new offense, being in the second year, just uh, maturing as a football player, understanding the mental part of the game and knowing which runs he can hit and which runs he can stutter on and seeing the hole before it happens helped him become a better runner. The offensive line was just gelling together and cutting back on a few things uh, and seeing the things all the same way and getting a hat on the hat. You know, those guys got more confident as the year went on and they grew together and that kind of meshed the running game to get better. Baker ended up with five postseason passing touchdowns, which is tied for the second most in franchise history. Both of the games this year, he had at least three passing touchdowns, which ties Brady for the most games like that in team history, and now has the only two 300-yard, three-touchdown passing games in Bucks playoff history. What did you see from him specifically in these playoff games and in these big moments? Wasn't afraid of the moment. I mean, he's been in big games before, college, high school. Wasn't afraid of the moment. Came out slinging. Obviously, you don't like the two turnovers, but he gave us a chance to win. He had a heck of a year. He's a heck of a leader. And he did a great job for us all season long. Uh, take us through those interceptions and, and what you saw in those plays. Well, the last one, the linebacker made a great play. He fell back in there. We were trying to go down the field, potentially get a touchdown and hopefully a two-point conversion. Uh, he made a heck of a play. He, he made a heck of a play on the ball. The first one probably tried to force it in there. kind of got bounced up in the air and bounced around. And he, he recovered from that, and he gave us a shot at the end. We just, we, just, we just made too many mistakes to pull it out. We saw him get a 14-yard scramble, which is actually the longest postseason run by a quarterback in team history. Uh, we saw him elude a sack to hit Cade for that incredible sideline catch. Just his ability to extend plays and improvise and, and the effort and the grit we see. What did that add to this offense and bring to the team? Well, that scrambling is great. I mean, we love the way he runs the 40. He runs that 14-yard scramble in a 4-2, which makes him the fastest quarterback <laughs> to run that. But he, he does a good job of knowing when to run. He doesn't always do a good job of when to get down, but he does, he does a good job of when to run. And he, he's tough that way, and he'll pick his moments. He's not just a runner to run. He runs at certain times and knows he can get it, and he has a good feel for that, and you can't teach that. Sometimes I think we use the word culture a lot, and it can get thrown around. But in your mind, as you look at people talked about, oh, Brady brought such and such culture to this offense. As you look at Baker and, and Coach Canales as the two biggest new additions to the offense, what did you see as their impact on that culture that the offense had? With Baker, he just came in and he was himself. You know, he didn't try to be anybody else. He didn't try to emulate things that had been done in the past. He came in, he put his head down, he worked. He got to know the guys personally, uh, which was a big hit. And he ate with the guys weekly, offense and defense. And Dave, it was just the positivity, the teaching of the how, why, what, where, how are we going to do it? This is how we're going to do it. This is why we're going to do it. 
this is the fundamental part of it, this is the technique part of it, and he, he brought them through the steady process of learning how to do it before they actually had to do it instead. You know, there's a lot of coaches that just can say, here's the book, this is how we're doing it, go out and do it, and then when you do it wrong, they tell you you do it wrong, but they was step-by-step, fundamentally sound, he's a great teacher, he's a very positive person, and he brought a lot of energy for us. We're talking to head coach Todd Bowles. Uh, we talked a little bit about the offensive line and the run game for this game and the season. How about pass protection for both this game and the season overall? They got some sacks on us. We missed a couple of safeties coming off the corner. One time we fell down. I think two times we missed them. But overall, I was pleased. And we had some games where we gave up more than we wanted to. But overall, you know, some of them were coverage sacks. And that's a good thing. The offensive line, by the time Baker got hit, most of the time he was scrambling and running. So we held up pretty well in protection. I thought overall the offensive line did a pretty good job. Uh, Mike Evans, we saw a couple drops, but also, I mean, ended up with 147 yards receiving, his fourth career 100-yard game in the postseason, and a new postseason career high in yards. Uh, what stood out to you about his game? competitiveness you know Mike competes you know he shows up when if you're gonna single him he's gonna make his catches regardless you got to double him non-stop and try to take him away and even then it's gonna be a tough task he's done it all year he's done it in the playoff game he continues to be the same guy all the time he's a model of consistency and and great players do that take us through his uh those back-to-back plays of 27 <clears throat> and 31 yards down to the one yard line we had to have it. We had to have it. Uh, Mike came through big for us. When you single him, that ball's going to go over there. And he's, he's ready for it. He understands it. He, he, in his mind, he's always open, and I have to agree with him. And he got it done. Uh, Chris Godwin surpassed Keyshawn Johnson and work done for the fourth most playoff yards from scrimmage in franchise history. Um, also surpassed Keyshawn for the second most playoff receiving yards in franchise history. What stands out to you about him this year and what his role in the offense ended up looking like? You know, Chris has, has been a joy for me to coach this year because, you know, I've finally been around the offensive guys enough to where they start talking. I didn't know he talked as much mess <laughs> as he does. <laughs> he really does. It is, it's fun to hear and it's great to hear. He talks like a defensive player, but you think he's so quiet and he, he's so meticulous at everything he does and he, he's very detailed at everything he does and he's very tough and he's a competitor in the worst way and I love that about him. That's awesome. Um, and then Kate Otten, man, he ended up with 65 yards. There was something that I feel like we should just call the Kate Otten drive at the end of the third <laughs> quarter. Three, three straight completions to him. Um, and they also had his touchdown in the second quarter. Uh, what stood out to you about him and what he did well? Just consistency. He, he's done it all year. We talked about it every week. You probably wouldn't know him if you passed him in the grocery store. But when he lines up to play, his toughness comes out. His intensity in the ball game comes out. His mental toughness and understanding of where to be at all times comes out. And he's a heck of a football player. Uh, take us through his touchdown in the second quarter. It was easy. I mean, it was easy. It was really pitch and catch. Cade's been like that all year. He's had some key touchdowns for us all year long. And when you're paying so much attention to Mike and Chris, Cade always finds a spot. And then what is his potential and, and role in the offense moving forward next year? The ways that you've seen him grow from rookie year to second year and, and having to be the guy in the tight end room, especially as young as that, that room was and, and where you hope to see Cade moving forward. Just even more catches. I think he can spread out. He can do a lot more things. He's a better route runner than everybody thinks. He's very 
He's not a speedster, but he's very elusive and he's very meticulous in his route running. Uh, he has a good catch radius. He's precise of where he needs to be. And he's always going to be reliable when you throw the ball to him. So I just see him getting better and better. I know Chase McLaughlin, uh, we finally saw him miss his first kick that wasn't blocked of the entire season. Um, knowing that I know he'd love to have that one back, but looking at his year overall, what did he come to mean to this team? He was a huge weapon. You know, in the past, we couldn't kick him that far, but he was money from 50-plus yards. It was almost automatic once we got across midfield. If we didn't get a touchdown, we had a field goal going in. I know he missed that one, but he was a very big weapon for us this year, and it was so unassuming because he just – Every time he went out there, he pretty much made them. So when he missed one, you were kind of shocked about it. But Chase was huge for us this year. And then uh, Jake Marta launched a 66-yard punt, the longest <laughs> postseason punt of his career and marked the longest postseason punt in franchise history. Uh, he just – I feel like every time we talk about him, there's something like that of the longest punt in all these different circumstances. Uh, what are the biggest things that you saw from him this year and then the things that you still would hope to be working on with him? To work on, obviously, his directional punting. He can still work on that a little bit. But when we need him to boom it and take off, um, he puts it out there and he changes the field position for us. Uh, we got to get him involved a little more because he's a heck of an athlete and he can throw the football. So we got to work on some things that way that can help us do some fakes and that type of thing. But Jake is a huge weapon for us. Him and Chase it gave us a one-two punch this year that really changed ball games for us. And looking at your defense, uh, Levante, 13 tackles, a sack, tackles for loss, QB hit this game, all the different categories. Uh, K.J. Britt, career high, 12 tackles, tackles for loss. Uh, what stood out to you about your inside backers? Levante is a gamer. Uh, he's a gamer. He knows playoff football. You know, We talked about it his first eight years. He didn't go at all. His last four years, he went every year. And he, he's very grateful every time he steps on the field. Now, he plays like he's still a rookie, but I understand where he's at with his time left in the ball game. But I think he can leave whenever he wants to. But he is just one heck of a football player. And KJ is just coming into his own. I think he's just seeing the emergence of what he can do. And, you know, he's a fairly young linebacker that had to wait his turn. And you're starting to see the things he can do now. And then what did KJ do to convince you that he had earned being out there more? What were the things that you'd seen from him in practice, in the locker room and leadership and everything that said, hey, this is a guy that's ready for this kind of a playoff moment? He's been a good leader. You know, a lot of games match up for KJ, especially the ones inside the tackles. They match up for him very well coming downhill. And the more we kept looking at him, the more he was cleaning stuff up in there and he was doing things that other guys couldn't do as well at the time and KJ just he made his mark he earned his playing time uh, he became a hell of a valuable piece for us and we look forward to him going forward how about the play of your outside linebackers uh, both in this game and in the season overall what stands out I thought they got better as the season went on I think we can still get more pressure on the quarterback that way but from an athletic standpoint and a run standpoint and those guys working together I thought we have four or five and sometimes six guys that can go in there and make some plays for us. Uh, individually, you may not see the stats, but as an accumulation, I thought all those guys contributed and got their sack totals up in, in, in a big way. Obviously, Yaya came on at the end or at the middle of the season and played well for us. Uh, Shaq played hard. His numbers didn't show, but he had a lot of pressures. Uh, Joe started off the season slow, but he picked it up in the middle and came on at the end. Nelson does what Nelson always does. And you saw Watts flash and you saw some of Cam flash. So 
the upside for those guys are, you know, are pretty good. I know we saw Jamel almost pick one off in the end zone, which I'm sure he heard about from you. Uh, knocked another way uh, in the end zone and has recorded at least one pass defense in six of his nine career postseason games. Um, tell us about what you saw from him in, in this game and in the season overall. Well, when he came back from injury, he tackled well, especially the last couple of weeks of the season. He covered well in that game before he got hurt. Obviously, the drop pick, you can't get those back, and we try to work on them, but he needs a jugs machine in his bedroom year-round <laughs> for him to make those plays. But he's where he's supposed to be, and catching the ball, again, we could lead the league in turnovers if we just catch the football. Which I was going to ask how you felt about I know what you had some specific goals for turnovers for the season overall. What was that, and, and how did you feel about that aspect of the defense? We wanted to finish with about 30. I think we finished in the top 10, maybe number six, but I think we had like 24. We can get more. You can't get enough turnovers. You've got to get as many turnovers as it takes to win the ball game every week, regardless of who you're playing. And so outside of Jamel, we know we saw Zion McCollum come on and have a big year, Carlton, and even, you know, undrafted rookie Christian Izian. How did you feel about your corner unit as a whole this year? Well, it was spotty because they were all hurt at different times. You very rarely saw them on the field at the same time. But when they got together toward the end of the year, you can see things starting to click. Just got to keep them healthy. And how about Antoine? We know we talked about just what a season he had. What did you end up seeing from him in the playoffs? And just overall, as you look back on the course of what he accomplished this year, what stands out? In my opinion, he should be up for defensive player of the year. I don't know if he wins it, but he should at least get recognition for it, obviously. He had a year to remember. Um, unbelievable. You can't show a defensive highlight really from us without showing Winfield. The plays he made down on the goal line, knocking the ball out twice this year, the interceptions he made, the sacks he's made, the cause fumbles he's made, play after play after play after play after play. Um, he had a year to remember. I hadn't seen a DB have a year like that in a long time. And how about your defensive line, both in run stoppage and then, you know, seeing Vita still getting a fair amount of sacks, watching Kalijah end up with so many sacks and tackles for loss. What did that group do well this year? I thought they came into their own. I, I really thought Logan Hall made a big jump in the run game. Uh, he can make a bigger jump in the pass game, and I think he will next year. Kalijah, once he got the system down and recognized what he could and couldn't do, He's becoming a real force. You're going to really see him take off next year. And Vita does what Vita always does. He commands double teams. He still makes plays. And both the guys behind him, Gaines made some good plays for us. Golston made some good plays for us. Between Pat and Mike Green and all those guys playing, I thought they started coming together as a group. And once you got, you know, with Canty being a rookie and Logan being a second-year guy, the maturity that they got during the season can only help them going forward. And so now as we enter the offense, uh, the offseason, what are your biggest priorities, things you want to see this team grow in and, and you for coaching and the rest of your staff? What do you feel like are going to be the biggest priorities? Obviously, you want to add some pieces. It's a little early right now, still evaluating some things. Uh, the biggest priority coaching-wise is for us to get better schematically. You can never stay the same because somebody catches up with you. Uh, we got to make sure we put the players in the right place so the pieces fit what we're trying to do or we fit what they can do and not try to be egotistical that way and make sure we can mend that thing while we incorporate new pieces and get them better and make them gel going forward. Well, Coach, thank you as always for your time. Thanks for sitting with us every week here all season and thanks for a fun season as a Bucks fan. I appreciate it, Case. Thank you. Coming up next on Buccaneers Total Access, we will have Assistant General Manager John Spytek brought to you by Advent Health. This is Buccaneers Radio. 
Buccaneers Total Access, brought to you by Advent Health. Pressure coming up the gut, and Pescott goes down. He's sacked for the first time of the game. Devin White, linebacker blitz. Now more with head coach Todd Bowles and Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips. Welcome back into Buccaneers Total Access. First half of the show, we had head coach Todd Bowles, and now I'm so excited to have with us assistant general manager John Spitek. John, thanks for being with us. Thanks, Casey. It's great to be here. I wish it was under different circumstances, but we got a lot to be proud of here still, too, and certainly was a, a fun season in a lot of ways. Yeah, I feel like that was exactly how I felt and how I was going to lead into it, of where it's always like a grim day after the season ends, right? That unless you won the Super Bowl, everyone's a little bummed. But, man, I just feel like the season overall, I feel such positive vibes about it of, like, you know, overcoming expectations that outside people had, and, and maybe I'm sure you guys had higher ones than the outside people. But to me, when you have that much dead cap space – this just feels like such a winning season. Is that how you guys look at it? Yeah, I mean, I think internally we were much more optimistic about our chances than than the general public was. And, you know, we know the team. We know the guys that we had here. We had a lot of guys left that were still on that Super Bowl team from 2020 season. You know, those guys are winners, and we knew that they would carry us um, a long way. We had a lot of belief in Baker. He played a lot of good football in his career um, that we watched, you know, and so – just because we were the only team that was interested in him didn't mean he couldn't play football. And I think he, he certainly proved that this year. Um, you know, it's a sad day because it, it just ends so fast. I think yeah. that's what people talk about all the time is like, you know, it's this, it's this race and you're in it for since, you know, July. And you have so many expectations and you get to that game and you feel like you can win that game and then just bam, it's over. And I also think that that's kind of what makes our game great, right? It's not the seven game series where it's like we can afford a bad performance or, you know, recover from it. Like you get one chance. Mm-hmm. And... You know, this team, you know, from the 2023 season was great. It'll never, it'll look different this year. So it really is, you know, there's a finality to it that's tough. But, you know, in the coming days, weeks, months, you know, we'll, we'll recognize that we have a lot to be proud of here and hopefully, you know, set ourselves up for a lot of success in the future. What does stand out to you about this game in particular on Sunday? As you said, you guys felt like you could win it and you were in it all the way to the end, which I think it was a pretty amazing metaphor for the team yeah. and season overall in some ways. I think what you realize when you, this is my 20th year in the NFL now, is when you get to these games in the divisional round and the champ, it's really hard. And they come down to a handful of plays, and really the team that executes better in those five, 10 plays and the margin that grows from it is, is critical. And I think yesterday you got to tip your cap to the Lions. They just, they just played a more clean, a cleaner game than we did. And, you know, it wasn't that our guard, the effort was there on both sides. I thought it was an awesome football game. I mean, that environment was unbelievable. I thought our guys handled, especially the offense, handled the the noise and the, the atmosphere really, really well. And at the end of the day, like that's a really good team, and they've been they've put out a really good product the entire year, and they just made a few more plays than us. And you know, the reality is, when that happens, you're probably going to lose those games against good teams, and that's our reality right now. Why was this a team that, again, even knowing that internally we all had high expectations? But to have outside voices saying that there were so low expectations and to have all that dead cap space, why was this a team that could still have the success that they did and overcome those? I mean, I've heard people comparing the dead cap space to fighting with one arm tied behind your back. Yeah, I, I think a couple of things, right? Like we alluded to it before. We had a lot of guys from that football, that, that, that Super Bowl team that were still here. They knew how to win. Um, so you pair that with a bunch of young and hungry guys in the draft and in, in free agency and... It took them a while to gel and come together, but I think that combination of experienced veteran that's still hungry for more, that knows what it's like to survive in the NFL, like right, you're four and seven. There's a way through this, but we just we just gotta we gotta own our reality and we gotta keep going. And then 
getting the belief of the young guys and then to have them grow as players throughout the season. I think, you know, from a personnel standpoint, we love when rookies play early. Harder for the coaches because they don't trust them as much. And it's, 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 they're right not to. It's tough, right? Like not a lot of rookies are, you'd love to have a team every year where you don't have to count on rookies. That was not going to be this team this year. We all knew that. But when you get to that game yesterday and Cody Mauk and Kalijah and Yaya and Trey have been through the fire, so to speak, for 18 games, 19 games, they're ready to play. And a lot of those guys played really, really well yesterday. And, you know, that helped those, that combination of things, I think, really helped us kind of survive that four and seven and then kind of thrive down the stretch and put ourselves in a position to, to win yesterday. We just, we came up a little bit short. We're talking to Assistant General Manager John Spitek. You've brought up the idea of the veterans and the young players, and I think that's one of the big puzzles that every front office team tries to come up with is what is the right mixture mm-hmm. of that. Um, what do you feel like you learned this year in terms of that and where this team could be moving forward as you try to assess what is the right balance of those things? I'm not, I'm not sure that there's a right balance ever. I think, I think one of the things that we got right this year is we had a bunch of guys that just love to play football. You know, and I think that's what we've tried to, you know, with Jason's leadership, we've tried to really focus on that going forward. And we put a huge premium on it with the guys that we add to this this roster, really in the draft, and also, you know, from a free agency standpoint too. And, you know, really, I think there's a lot of ways to win in this, in this league. And it can be older, it can be younger. You know, the Packers had a great year this year too with one of the youngest rosters in the NFL. You know, we flipped it from the oldest to, you know, one of the younger ones in the league. I think seventh was the last, the last number I heard. Um, but for me, like the guys that love to play, whether they're 35 or whether they're 22, there's a way forward with those guys. There's a way through with those guys. And I think that's what we found this year. We have a lot of guys that are made up that way. And you talked about how excited you guys were with what Baker did this year. What do you remember about when you guys were wanting to bring him in, the decision to bring him in, and then even just what your expectations were and how he played compared to those? Well, I, a couple of things. First of all, you know, when, when we scout college players, that report that we build, it never dies. It lives in our system forever. And we, we put a premium on guys in the draft with our scouts that even though, like we're picking 26 this year, right? There's a bunch of guys that we're just never gonna be able to touch in the draft. But we build a thorough report from a character standpoint, from a player standpoint on those guys because there always is a chance in the future that you could acquire them, free agency, trade. You know, you just never can say never, right? So. I would go back to our, our evaluation of Baker when he was coming out of Oklahoma. We loved him. You know, we loved the competitor. We loved the player. There was a lot to like about him. You know, fast forward, he's played, you know, he's played for three teams, didn't work out. In Cleveland, when you looked at Baker, took him to the playoffs, first playoff win in Cleveland since Bill Belichick was the head coach. I mean, almost they went to Kansas City a week later in the divisional round. You know, that was a one-score game. I mean, this is a guy who's been through it before. And I really enjoyed the way he competed through the adversity last year. And so then there's a belief that like, all right, well maybe he's shown that he's gonna get through the hard times. And I think the players that are best in the the NFL, they have survived some adversity at some point in their life. And Baker kind of came through that with, you know, a great mindset. And then he was motivated to come here, just like Tom. He was motivated to come here. And I think guys that choose you, when you choose them, those are the best ones. You know, like, did Baker have a lot of options? Maybe not, but he was looking for the best option for him. And, you know, it worked this year. And I'm, I'm happy for him. He, he, competed his, he competed his tail off when a lot of people counted him out. And, you know, I think that's, that's in his makeup. And it was, it was fun to watch. 
And we definitely saw he uh, bonded so well with the guys in the locker room. There was a lot of leadership there. There was a lot of fight, like you said, and, and guys want to play for a quarterback like that. And especially with the O-line, it felt like there was a lot of chemistry there, which was really impressive based on the fact here you have a new coordinator, a new quarterback, mm -hmm. a whole reshuffled offensive line. When it came to the offensive line, what were the biggest challenges for you guys as you tried to build this unit where you knew like in a group that consistency is more important than maybe anywhere else? It's like you just kind of took them and put them in a snow globe and shuffled them all up. Yeah. What was it like to watch you for you guys to try to build that and then to watch the way that they grew over the course of the season together? Well, we kind of leaned into the uncomfortable. Um, I mean, I remember talking to my, my post-game or my post-draft press conference last year and, you know, we didn't get a tackle and there was a lot of concern and I kind of addressed like, well, we watched Luke play tackle at a high level in college and just because we moved him to guard as a rookie, we had Donovan and Tristan. So we're, we wanted him to play. And get so anyway, you know, we had to lean into Luke going back out to right tackle. But when, you, when you're around Luke every day and you know how much it means to him and you see the athlete that he is and you see how hard he works in the offseason, how much it means to him, there's a belief like, well, you can you can survive with a guy like that out there. We move Tristan to left tackle, right? There's a risk there, but like taking the best right tackle in the league and moving him to left, and Tristan was, you know, had some anxiety about it, which we all understand, right? Like you're the best at what you do, and it's like, well, why would I do anything different? But, you know, I think our belief in Tristan helped get him through it. I was actually joking with him about this, you know, recently, like, you're the only one that ever questioned that you would succeed, whether or not you would succeed over there. And I appreciate that about him because there's a humility to him and there's yeah. a care factor that, you know, I'm not just going to go over there. It's going to be like, you know, the easiest thing in the world to do. He acknowledges it's going to be hard. You know, we're counting on a rookie left tackle from North Dakota State moving to right guard. But he plays every snap, his entire, every snap as a rookie. And he took his lumps early, but the thing you love about Cody is it matters to him and he just kept competing and competing and competing. So down the stretch... He knows he can play. He knows he belongs, you know. And then Hainsey comes in and does a great job because he cares. And then we start with Matt at left guard. Stinney's played good ball for us. We would have been happy going back to Matt too. But those guys are just a great unit. They they love the game. They love each other. They communicate well. They hang out. There's a rapport with them, and that matters as, as in the O line. So, did I know it was going to go this well? Maybe not. Was I? Did I have a strong belief that they would figure it out? Certainly, I think we all did upstairs. And then the run game in particular was something we got to watch kind of grow and flourish as the season went on. And I know there's a lot of factors to that, whether it's, you know, Canales and the new scheme, there's Rashad and how he's running the offensive line and their chemistry. What did you watch as, and, and now from your perspective, what really led to the growth there and where, if you were to look at beginning of the season to where it is now and the confidence you have in it moving forward, where do you guys feel like you're at? Well, I think the commitment to it was key. You got to you got to stay with the run game in the modern day NFL. Too often people just start well, it didn't work. We were in five plays in the first quarter. They got they got smashed. We got to throw it. You got to you got to stay with it. And when you stay with it, you'll start to find success in the little things with what you do, and then you can grow off of that. And now you become a little more unpredictable. Um, you become a little more confident, and you can do some you know some stuff off of that. Um, then it opens up play action. It opens up the play action or the boots, the keepers. All the stuff kind of starts together. But if you if you won't stay committed to the run game, then the other stuff, you just end up being a drop-back team. And that, to me, is exactly where defenses want you. They want you in third and eight because you can't run it and you don't run anything off of it and you just drop back. And, you know, I'll give our coaches and the players credit. They stuck with it. It wasn't always pretty. I thought Rashad grew a lot as a runner this year. You could see that he was a little more decisive as we went down the stretch. He was hitting the hole hard. He was finishing through. DBs at the second level, which those guys don't want to tackle big backs like Rashad over and over again. 
Um, and I think we have a lot to be excited about going forward there. We've got guys now in place, some young guys in place on the O-line that are going to be here for a while. They understand the scheme, and we can, we can make it grow from there. All right, we're going to take a quick break here on Buccaneers Total Access with Assistant General Manager John Spitek. Brought to you by Advent Health, this is Buccaneers Radio. You're listening to Buccaneers Total Access with head coach Todd Bowles and Bucks team reporter Casey Phillips. Brought to you by Advent Health. Welcome back into Buccaneers Total Access. We are so excited to be joined by Assistant General Manager John Spitek here with us. Um, so right before the break, we were talking about the run game and its progress and the commitment to it. Um, how about just Coach Canales overall coming in first-year play caller? Uh, what do you remember about the decision to bring him in and then just watching his development and growth and what he's brought to the organization this year? Yeah, I think the two things that we were really excited about when we hired Dave were um, his energy, his positive attitude, you know, his belief. Um, I, thought that, I think that 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 showed up on the field this year, too. I felt like even when it was hard early in the year, those guys kept competing. You know, they never were kind of out of the fight, so to speak. I mean, if you go to the Houston game, I think we survived a third and 17 that turned into a fourth and 10, you know, to put together a drive, which, you know, was really close to being a game-winning drive, obviously. You go to the Bills game. I mean, it was a really hard, really hard, hard environment to play in. We end up getting a drive put together at the very end when we were kind of counting out the whole game and then get within a Hail Mary, a really close Hail Mary of winning that game. The Niners game, you know, we're two scores down, but we we, we dropped two passes in the end zone that could have made that. Like, the guys just never gave in. There was always an energy and a fight there, and I think that that showed up in his interview. And then, you know, he has a history of getting the best out of quarterbacks. Get the best out of Russell. Did a great job with Geno last year, and obviously, you know, when we hired him, it was going to be Baker or, well, we hired... Day at first, obviously, but we were after Baker at that point, um, and then Kyle. So there was going to be a lot of work that needed to be done with whoever was going to be the starting quarterback this year. And you know, his resume was suggested that he could help get the best out of those guys. You know, I want them to play point guard. I want them to run the offense. We're not going to ask too much of them. We're going to get the ball to our playmakers and let them play. And um, I thought that that played out this year. And I think we have a lot to build on there. And how about some of the other just offensive weapons and, and what you saw from them this season, whether it's your wide receiver group where you know you have Mike and Chris this whole year and you know who they are, what they are, then you lose Russell Gage and now you have to kind of find a you know, different group of people to fulfill that third option out there, whether it was Kate Otten at times or Trey Palmer or David Moore and this whole massive group that it seemed like, especially towards the end of the season, you guys were really finding some depth mm-hmm. in terms of offensive weapons. Uh, what stands out about just kind of the way that the offensive makeup ended up throughout the course of the year and where you guys feel like you stand in terms of other weapons outside of, you know, the run game and what the pass game could look like moving forward. Yeah, I thought a lot of those guys took a, took a big step forward this year. Obviously, Cade, um, he played some as a rookie, did a good job, but I think he really, really took off this year, especially down the stretch here. I mean, the thing you love about Cade is he's going to empty the tank on every play. I mean, it means the world to him, and he's one of those guys that you can count on. I mean, I think you went through and asked the, the, the guys on the team, like, you know, give me a couple foxhole guys. I bet you he'd show up on a lot of them just because, you know, he's going he's gonna to be there with you fighting to the very end. Um, the wide receiver group, obviously after Chris and Mike, um, you know, those guys, those guys are awesome. And, you know, we had high expectations for them, and they obviously fulfilled it, both getting 1,000 yards this year and just the way they are and the way they lead is, is elite. Um, the way that we looked at the other wide receivers was we have a great opportunity. And I think that's how we as a scouting staff really approached the entire offseason last year was we're going to find some young guys or some bargain deals. So whether it's Trey Palmer in the sixth or, you know, David Moore, who was a rookie, rookie minicamp tryout guy, 
get DT a little more involved. We found Rakeem, or Rakeem Jarrett in the in the free agency too. So, you know, we're just trying to add players that fit the offensive scheme with what Dave and the guys want to do that, you know, can make plays with the ball in their hands and they love to play. And I think we did that. Um, that showed up kind of as the season went. And I think those guys have a lot to build on going forward as well. We're talking to Assistant General Manager John Spitek. Um, So now flipping over to the defensive side, but I guess before we even do that, let's just kind of talk about the draft class from this year. Mm-hmm. You had so many guys that were asked to play very big roles or at least a lot of snaps as well. Uh, as you look back on this season, how proud are you of what you guys were able to find in this year's draft, knowing that you, you weren't getting to pick super high? And to still have found the talent that you did in each round is pretty incredible. Yeah, I'm, I'm really proud of our scouts. Um, I know I speak for Jason in that matter too. And we, and we talked about it. You know, we were very upfront with them going into the offseason last year. We were going to be, we're going to take, take all the hits on the cap. We're not going to be able to sign guys in free agency. This is going to be a huge offseason for us because we're going to have just not only like, you know, the pet draft picks we had, but we're going to have, we knew we were going to have a really big undrafted free agent class too. And so, we tried to empower all of our college scouts to have their best spring. And I think they crushed it. And I'm, I'm just really, really proud of them. And, it, and you know, Jason makes the pick, and I'm here talking to you and Greenberg and Rob and Mike. But, you know, the people that grind their way through, you know, the entire country and, you know, they, they don't get their name said very much. I mean, they just, they crushed it. And then the draft class is what you see. And we, 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 we planned it out. We talked to ad nauseum about it. They knew what they had to do, and, and we we did it. And you know, the guys showed up and they played this year, and they proved it. And it's 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 one of the best draft classes from top to bottom I've ever been a part of, and I think it played out as the season went. So I'm really just proud of our group. They they crushed it. That's awesome. And, and I think to me, standing out in that group, especially towards the end of the year, is Yaya and Kalijah. Mm-hmm. That um, what a what a duo they turned out to be, competing with each other for rookie leads and things like yeah. tackles for loss and sacks. And I mean, man, you cannot ask for anything better than that than multiple rookies leading in a category and fighting amongst each other for that. What stands out to you about the two of them? What made you want to pick each of them, and just what it says about the the future of this defense? Well, I'll start with both the fact that they love to play ball and they. There, there's just a competitiveness to them that you admire and you respect and that you just want to fill your team with guys like that. Um, you know, they've both gone through different adversities as part of their lives. You know, Kalijah being kind of counted out because of his size. I talked about it in my post-draft press conference last year, but to have a, a coaching staff that empowers you and enables you to take guys that don't necessarily fit the height, weight, speed mold necessarily you know, a 206-1, 280-pound, three technique, a lot of teams would be like, have no use for it, but that's not the way we're wired. We're wired to bring in good football players and we'll make it work. And, you know, I think that obviously showed up with Kalijah this year, and I think he played his best ball down the stretch. I was reading on um, Twitter today that the only person with more pressures and sacks through the first two playoff games is Aiden Hutchinson. So Kalijah kept himself in pretty good company in the with his little playoff run. There's like 11 pressures and a sack and a half, so expecting big things for him to come. And then, you know, Yaya, once he got comfortable in the defense and got in the starting lineup, I think just showed you the kind of player he can he can be. Um, he got better and better as the season went. And, you know, I 
I was joking with a couple of the other guys in the rookie class, you know, in December at some point. I was like, who's here the most? And they all just went, yeah, yeah. And mm. just, I just, you probably know that too, right? He's just always here. He works his tail off. It matters to him. You know, we've all told the story about how he, he had, you know, from high school to Atlanta airport to, you know, military. Georgia, Georgia military mm-hmm. to Louisville and just kept getting better and better and better. And, you know, I think he knows this game is, can be taken away from you. I think he's learned that and he has no intention of letting that happen. And, you know, to have two guys in the D line in the front in a league where pressuring the quarterback is a premium and you get one, you know, in the, you know, mid, mid part of the first round and one at the end of the third round is, is pretty cool. And we got big, big hopes and big plans for those guys coming back next year. I was thinking about the core of your secondary as well, that you could say you're maybe most valuable player on the team this year, Antoine Winfield mm-hmm. Jr., your most improved player this year, maybe Zion McCollum, and then you're looking at your other outside corners, Jamel and Carlton, having a good year when they're healthy, and looking at that that quad of guys all being draft picks and it being guys that you have re-signed and, and have the chance to maybe, and, and I just think how cool it is for you guys to look at that, and what stands out to you about how you've been able to build that secondary with some of these homegrown talent guys? Well, through the draft, which is the best way to do it. And, you know, you know, you know the kind of person that you're getting and, and you're the person you're you know, doing a second contract with. Um, I just think it's the best way to do it. You know, I remember when I got here and, you know, a couple of years in, we started to pick some guys and, you know, Greeny, Greenberg would always be like, well, I mean, we're not used to paying these guys. And I'm like, it's coming, Greeny. Like, we're going to, some of these guys, we're going to have, we're going to go from like having too much cap space and cash and free agency to not enough because we're just we're we're drafting really well and I think that's kind of been borne out over the last couple of years and you know obviously Antoine had a had an awesome season just one of one stuff really I mean it really upset me that he didn't make the Pro Bowl and they actually thought it was a big joke that he couldn't make the Pro Bowl when he's doing what he's doing but I'm glad he got his due on the all pro team there's no one more deserving the plays he made this year the hustle plays I mean the two plays where you strip a guy that's going into the end zone are just elite. And it starts with a want to and a desire to put yourself in a position and hustle and give yourself a chance. My college coach used to talk about on defense, like just give us a place to stand. Just mm-hmm. figure out a way to get him down before the goal line. And those two plays to me sum him up. He's just a driven, highly motivated kid to be successful and couldn't be more proud of him. And Levante, another guy that feels like he's just playing at a level that he shouldn't be at this point at his age. And um, it seems like you guys still knew. You you re-signed him this year that you knew he was still the Levante that we've come to know and love over the years. He's absolutely one of the best football players I've ever been around. Um, A better person. And I'm not going to sit here. I mean, Fountain of Youth or whatever. I mean, whatever he's doing is awesome. (laughs) And Whatever he's doing, we should all be doing it. Yeah, and I just... You can go back to going to Nebraska and and doing your college report on him. I mean, he was the one that it mattered the most to in that program. They talked about him, you know, it was like I am that man that we've talked about, you know, here for years. Now he just it just matters to him in a way that it doesn't matter to a lot of people and his ability to sustain that drive and his, his love for the game is just remarkable. And we're just lucky to have him. We really are. We're lucky to be around him, the way he leads, the way he cares about his teammates. You know, it's it's not a surprise he's as good of a football player as he is. It's not an accident. Um, just awesome. Awesome. And then also, I know some of the guys that maybe don't always get talked about as, as much as everybody else, but played big roles on the team this year. Uh, your specialists, Jake Camarda, Chase McLaughlin, and I know that uh, Chase would love to have that one back in the game, but that, that was his first miss that wasn't a block all season. 
uh, was booming, just mm -hmm. incredibly long kicks, felt so consistent. Jake, of course, you know, could kick it out of any stadium anywhere. Uh, what have you seen from the two of them and, and what it was like to, to know that you want to prioritize even drafting a Jake and then the decision to sign Chase and watch him go through that competition this year of mm -hmm. how you guys ended up with the two of them? Um, well, yeah, Chase has been a really solid kicker for a long time in this league. He just is kind of on the journey that a lot of the guys are on, right? Like, you know, play for a bunch of teams and eventually you find a place and all the adversity that you went through, it makes you better. And I don't, I think we were all shocked that he bounced off the upright yesterday. I mean, I think that was probably an inch away from just skimming the post and going in, but remarkably consistent, dedicated to his craft, um, great demeanor about him. It's just not surprising that it's not surprising that he is as successful as he is. You know, he's, People would say he doesn't have the biggest legs, you know, not the most talented. Okay, well, I mean, he made 58 in Minnesota this year, right? I mean, some of the kicks that he's made are just absolute nails this year. And, you know, I think there's a certain kind of person that leans into those opportunities and is unfazed by them. And there's people that really it can be too big for. And I, clearly he's the former of those two and um, had a great year. I mean, really up until yesterday, the only two kicks he had missed got, got knocked on the line of scrimmage. So, and then with Jake... You know, one of the probably the most talented punter I've ever been around, and you know when he's when he's on and 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 hitting it well, it is amazing to watch. It's we call it like easy power. It doesn't even look like he barely swings his leg and it goes as far as he needs it to go. And you know he's gotten a lot better with the balls down inside the, the fifteen and the ten, which you know he can continue to get better at. But um, I think also you know him and those two and Zach have a great rapport. They got a great relationship. They all work together. Obviously, Chase needs both of them you know, to snap and to hold. So it's just a good room with guys that care about each other and care about football. And, you know, they did a great job this year. All right, we're going to take one more break. We have a final segment coming up here on Buccaneers Total Access where we will look ahead to the offseason and next season with Assistant General Manager John Spytek, brought to you by Advent Health. This is Buccaneers Radio. Buccaneers Total Access with head coach Todd Bowles now continues. Brought to you by Advent Health. Welcome back into Buccaneers Total Access. We have Assistant General Manager John Spitek here with us. So, of course, the question of the hour, what is the cap situation for next year? That was such a big part of the story and the narrative this year. How good or bad are we, are we looking for next year? How hard are you guys going to have to work? Well, there's still going to be a little bit of work that, that you know, we have to do. Um, but we are in a much better place. Um, we're still paying for some of those those things that we did with Tom and and the and the guys, but um, it's going to look and feel a lot different going forward this year, which is good. One because we'll be able to do some things, and two because we have a lot of guys that are up or close to being up that we obviously would like to have back. So where we used to be able to be big players in free agency, we're probably not that route anymore because of the guys that we want to retain. But we are not going to be hamstrung with eighty million dollars dead cap space like we were this year. Um, but we've also seen where free agency has brought in some really important people to this team. So how active do you guys feel like you're going to be? And, and maybe just what are some of the things you've even learned about using free agency in these last few years? Well, we, we'll be prepared, as always, for any good deal that's out there. And I think really that's the most important thing is you want to find good deals. You know, we will look at every UFA that's out there this year. Rob and the guys do an unbelievable job stacking that board and trying to gauge a value for all of them, both from a league standpoint, where they're going to come in at and what we would value them at. And if there's good deals out there, we'll we'll certainly do them and consider them and try to get them. And if if not, then we'll be happy to kind of sit some of those out and, and pay our guys to stick around here. And I know that 
every team has the salary cap to figure out, but it does feel like you guys and particularly, you know, Mike Greenberg and Jackie Davidson have gotten a lot of praise for the creativity mm -hmm. that has allowed you guys to do this, that it's not a given that you even could have done what you've done these last few years. What are the things that you guys are really proud of as a front office that you felt like helped you stand apart from other teams, even in the ways that you figured out how to be creative and make it work that maybe some fans just don't even know is going on behind the scenes? Well, I think it, it starts with really, you know, the Glazer family and their willingness to, to spend because, I mean, when you understand the salary cap, every dollar that you spend has to be accounted for at some point. And when and where you account for it is really what, you know, Mike and Jackie do an unbelievable job of. But, you know, you have just 200 million to spend this year just as a, you know, a arbitrary number. You can spend a lot more than that cash-wise and make it spread out way over the, you know, take the, a lot less cap charge. But every dollar that you spend, you pay for eventually. So that's all money being spent by, by ownership here. So it really starts with their willingness to give us the ability to do that. Um, and then Jackie and, and Mike do an unbelievable job of coming up with new ways to, you know, massage the, massage the contract here or push the money there and then always keep you in a pretty good other than this year state. But that was a conscious decision that we all made to, yep. you know, to go for it. Um, that was obviously worth it. <laughs> and at some point, yeah. And at some point, you know that you're going to have to take, take it on the chin, which we did. And I would say we, we did pretty well. But, um, you know, from the Glazer family to, the, to Jason, to, to Mike and Jackie, the way that they manipulate that, um, the salary cap and the constraints that they operate under is really impressive. And it's one of the reasons that we've had sustained success here now for, for four years. We're talking to Assistant General Manager John Spitek. Uh, this is obviously the part of the show where every fan out there is wanting me to ask you who's staying, who we're keeping, who we're bringing in, you know, all these questions that, of course, we're not going to answer because that's not how it works and we want to maintain this competitive advantage. So instead, I will phrase it how I always do to all of you guys of how are some of the positions of depth in, in free agency and the draft and, and what are some of the areas that are really exciting for not only here but just across the league, everybody would say, you know what, this is a year that looks pretty strong in, in some different areas. I think it's a great question, and it it changes every year, right? Like there's years where there's a ton of quarterbacks, or there's no quarterbacks, there's a ton of receivers, and there's no receivers. And the landscape in college football is changing now as such with the NIL deals and the collectives they're called now. That's kind of what I'm coming to understand, where basically <laughs> the guys are just paid to stay. Yeah. Um, which is great for those players. They deserve it. Um, I think we have a record, basically a record low number, or at least in recent years, of like 54 underclassmen coming out. Many, wow. many are going back. So that's changed a lot of, you know, most of the, most of the years it's the juniors that are the best. You know, mm -hmm. if you look at the top 10 picks every year, it's nine juniors or something like that. Now there's a lot less of them. We also are navigating the COVID years too, where all these guys that were in college in 2020 get an extra year. So it could be a fifth, sixth year. Some of them choose to, when you think that they're going to come out, they're going back. So we're still kind of waiting to go through all of that. Um, obviously, I think there's a bunch of great quarterbacks in the draft this year. We've won far too many games, picking 26th now to, to factor into that. There's a bunch of really good receivers, which I know how much everybody loves receivers, but again, picking 26th, picking 26 makes it hard. I mean, if, if anybody has any good ideas out there about how we can get up to six or seven, we might have a shot at some of them, but they're just too good. So, you know, and I think, I think there's a bunch of, it really feels like an offensive draft to me at this point from a talent standpoint. And how many of those guys fall to 26 will be something we have to monitor. I'm confident in our group. I'm confident in our scouts and with Jason that we'll do what we always do around here is we'll, we'll find the best one and we'll be ready to pick them. 
Awesome. Well, John, thank you so much for spending time with us. Thanks for all the work you guys do. And uh, I know that you're at the point now where losing sucks, but congratulations on a season that was very fun to be a part of as a as a Bucks fan and as a Bucks employee. So yeah, thank you guys. Yeah, I appreciate you having me today. And, and we're proud. We certainly are proud. We, uh, we competed hard, but more do, there's more to do. Absolutely. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us on Buccaneers Total Access brought to you by Advent Health. This is Buccaneers Radio.